Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. This is the Las Vegas Supercross wrap-up show. BTOsports.com, anything you need for your body or bike. They are the nation's leading retailer and uh, proud sponsors of Andrew Short and Matt Gerke on the BTO Sports KTM team. And we thank those guys for coming on board. Seriously, whatever you need, go to BTOsports.com and you can kill it there and get whatever you want. As well, of course, Fox Racing. Uh, Fox Racing, uh, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. Check out the full line of 2014 products. Roxon, Dungey, uh, Tickle, just some of the guys that wear Fox Racing. Foxhead.com, visit your local authorized Fox dealer. Thanks for coming, everybody, or thanks for listening. Uh, I'm, I'm Steve Mathis. With me in studio here in the Pulpamex uh, studios, the Jason Wygant. Yeah! <laughs> My boss. To be able to do that right. on the in-studio mic. Yeah. Wow, long time My coming. boss, keeping the watchful eye of me. That's what it's come to, Steve. Yep. I have to come here and watch you in person and make sure you're working. Oh, man. And you've done nothing today, might I add. <laughs> also on the line, uh, he's not racing. Uh, an injury took him out for this summer's uh, uh, Nationals, but uh, still got a keen eye for what's going on out there. Monster Pro Circuit's Adam Cincerillo. Adam, what's up? I'm on a commentating-only deal. <laughs> you are, you're very busy. You are very busy these days. Always, my friend, always. Also on the line, he was here for the Pulp Show on Friday. He's done a few uh, pre-race podcasts with us and a, a couple of post-race ones. The voice of Supercross Live, former Olympic volleyball player, uh, still calling the volleyball action on NBC Sports, is uh, Kevin Barnett. Kevin, what's up? Hey, thanks for having me back. And, uh, Steve, I'm glad to know you don't hold a grudge after Saturday afternoon's events. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but listen, Yo. okay, so Vegas is come and gone. Ryan Villapoto's already clinched it. Um, Justin Bogle already clinched it. The only thing that we were waiting to see was 250 West. Jason Anderson had an eight-point lead going in, into Sealy, into over Cole Sealy going into the last race. And Weege, uh, the rumors were true. Yeah. Anderson was jacked up. I give him credit for not overthinking things because he said he had a partially collapsed lung. I would think that's panic. I think it was the week before mm-hmm. the New York-New Jersey race. So what is he got a week and a half? Yep. Wouldn't that be panic? He didn't ever seem to be that worried about it, and he thinks that if he needed to do better than sick, like if he needed to try to win the race, he could have. He would. He yep. thought, hey, I get a week off of training. I've been training since October. I'll be fresh. I'll be better. I don't know how he could think that positively. Yeah. I'd be freaking out. Uh, Adam, the – the whole thing was sort of decided. Sealy needed to get his start and run away with it and let everything else happen the way it was going to happen. But coming into off of Thunder Alley, there Sealy was like eighth and Anderson was like ninth, and it was that was it, huh? 
I mean, that was... That yeah, was, if, I, yeah. if I was Steely, the only, your only opportunity to win the championship was in the first couple of laps before everybody spread out. But after after Webb, Wilson, and uh, and Justin Hill kind of like gapped himself from everybody after that, it was pretty much it was pretty much over. If I if I was Sealy, I probably would have tried to take some people out in the in the first one eighty degree corner after the big long straightaway. That was his only shot. <laughs> yeah, really just come in right hot. Um yeah, it uh it uh it was too bad because I I thought Sealy would I mean I guess it's not that he didn't rise up to it or whatever. He rode okay but the whole thing was the start, right Adam? I mean that was it. He, it yeah. yeah, I mean it really was. Once they got once they got spread out, and it seemed like, kind of once they got spread out, it seemed like he was kind of a little bit, you know, kind of over it, too. He realized that he wasn't going to, if he didn't win, he wasn't going to win the championship, and yeah. it was impossible. So, yeah. I mean, once it spread out, it, it was over in, in everybody's eyes, I believe, including his own. But, uh, Kevin, uh, really, I mean, look, Cole Seeley's a great rider, and he had a good series. The first opening rounds of this 250 West series, Anderson steals the lead on the last lap, there's no doubt, from start to finish, Anderson was the best rider in, on the West Series. He really, really was. Yeah, I think you have to give it to him. He had three of those rounds where he, he passed on the last lap. He put two of those on Sealy and in a couple different fashions, but you have to give it to him that, that he performed on those last laps. And I, I was amazed at those last lap charges, how he was able to just wick it up even further than he had been already been going throughout the day and throughout the main event. Mm-hmm. But he would take it to another level. And I kind of wondered where that was during the rest of the race. Like, if you could go that fast on the last lap, yeah. where was it before that point? Uh, but he had those, and I think he gained a lot of confidence with that. And we've seen before, confidence plays such a huge role in this sport because of its individual nature, because of the, maybe the risk involved and the different obstacles involved. Confidence is a massive factor, and Anderson carried that even through the tough circumstances of Vegas. Weege, how much did Anderson's improvement this year, do you think, came from a spike switch, or did any? Was he, he's, Look, he was on a natural Yeah, he's on a rise. He, he was on a rise, yeah. a natural yeah. rise. But did that KTM help? I, I'm going to go back to what Kevin was just saying. I think for him, one of the biggest changes when you talk to him, again, just like Kevin was saying, even with – we're debating now, Moser and I, was it a collapsed lung, a punctured lung, or a deflated lung? But either way, even that wouldn't get him down. There seemed to be a difference mentally for him. He's taking so much in stride, including the fact that he was battling for a title for the first time in his professional career, and that didn't seem to phase him. There was something mental that, that changed for him. So I think partially maybe it was the bike. Maybe it was working with Wardy that was different this year. Maybe it was the experience he's gained the last couple of years. I think something, and maybe the bike, is what changed his outlook mentally. I don't know if it was a, really the bike made this much literally of a difference on lap times, but he just seemed to be in a different place mentally, and maybe the bike was what did that. I don't think, uh, you know, the guy's yeah. always going to say, as soon as I switch bike, I was two seconds yeah. a lap faster. That There's no way. Right. There's no way that's the case. He was I pumped think, on it for I day one. I think it was though. just because he was – he was kind of next in line. I mean, if you look at last year, you know, Tomac, Roxon, it seemed like if those guys weren't there, like your mm-hmm. your next guy to win a Supercross was Anderson. So yeah. Yeah. I believe it was like, you know, it was mental for him. I believe he, coming into the season before anything even happened, I, I feel like he was contending for a championship in his mind. So once it happened, it was expected. Okay, well, let, nice. me, let me ask you this. Okay, so, uh, we here. Strictly bench racing question. Uh, Aren't they all? Well, first, uh, Wilson, Webb, Hill, road great. 
Yeah. Let's say he Seeley gets the whole shot. He there was enough people in between him. Yeah. Seeley could have won this. Oh yeah. He's Anderson. We all know he's already battling. So well, that's what Anderson implied, and I think that might have been true. I the whole time once Seeley eventually broke away from him, he followed him through for a couple of laps. He lost a lot of time. But once he broke away, you could see every time they were on separate lanes, he was watching. Yeah. So I think Anderson was just doing what he had to do. I believe that you could have seen a little more desperation. Okay. And if you even go back as recently as last year in those final races, the dudes that absolutely have to make it happen, uh, how long – Tomac and Roxham were pretty far behind early in the West Main. But, man, when they needed to make it happen, they blazed to the front. Davalos had a big lead in the East Main. When Muscan and Han had to make it happen, they moved to the front. I yeah. think that the okay. last five laps, right. he would have gotten desperate enough to make two passes if he needed to on Hill and Wilson, who really didn't have right. the same circumstances on the line. Uh, Weege also, too, that Cooper Webb, I mean, highly touted amateur. Just, I mean, yeah. came out, led some laps. A lot of people think maybe the best of his group uh, as an amateur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, people they, talk about Webb. No peers. Yeah, no. No peers. No, and he was – he was good. He was Nobody good. was at his level. No, nope. I've heard no, a lot of people say and that. And we saw that. We saw <laughs> that with Cooper. He almost won. Could you imagine him winning a race in his first year in Supercross? That would have been incredible. Right? What a feat. Right? Almost. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have anybody on my coast. You know, <laughs> one easy. On, you know, my coast one was, easy. I, I, mean, I, I needed a perfect season to match his. Yeah. That's right. One easy. As a one easy. I, I thought he rode. I thought he rode unbelievable. And he always is is really good when it when it turns into a battle and he makes really good decision. I, I was I was genuinely impressed. Yeah. Hey, see, no, while we've right. got you here, I, I want to know is that is there a feud real is it between you and Cooper or is it just like your posses that want to fight it out? I keep hearing that there's this you gotta get in one camp or the other. How do you guys feel? Well, I mean I don't have anything personally against them. It's just one of those things where uh, you know, in coming out of amateurs we kind of we raced but really, I mean, he, he's a year older than me, which obviously isn't a lot. But it, it moved him out of the class sooner than, uh, you know, sooner than me. So we were separated a lot, and he got on big bikes before I did. So we really didn't race too much. And then uh, the media hyped it up to be, or the media or Vitards or whatever hyped it up to be a rivalry, and that's kind of, um, I guess that's how it's kind of stayed. But I mean, it's one of those things where. Yes, we race each other. I mean, it's we're you know we were both rookies at the same point, and we want to beat each other. But personally, I don't have anything against him, and I'm sure he doesn't have anything against me either. Yeah, it's like anything. It's like Villapoto and Alessi, or uh, Villapoto and Grant, or maybe or maybe the Grant and Alessi thing is still there. It's once you get into pros, I've seen a lot of guys that didn't get along just realize, you know what, we're just a couple of fish in this big pond, and let's forget all that hey. stuff from amateurs. You know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I, there was times where, uh, you know, we clashed a little bit during amateurs, but it, it's yeah. normal when you go against a guy for, you know, your whole life, and you're both trying to reach the same goal. Yeah. It's going to happen. So I think, uh, I think, I think it's all good now. I mean, we're you know we're both pros, and like you said, we're both trying to make it in a, in a big big pond. But yeah, we he was good though. Why well, again, Cooper Webb? Ah, oh, he was good. No, it was a really good yeah. ride because no. it was impressive. It's obviously. The guy I was battling with for the win was Dean Wilson, who yeah. is no slouch. Certainly has the speed to match anybody. Yeah. And honestly, when Wilson got him, and that was a little controversial there because Cooper didn't jump. Yeah, the yellow flags and lights. And, no, Cooper blew it. He blew it. Yeah, he, he should have. And I think he, he realized it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, Wilson caught him pretty quick. Yeah, partially because of that. Yeah, but he stayed with him. And then the last two laps, he really came back at him. I mean, yeah. he hung with Wilson and, and gave him a run, which that says a lot. 
Didn't we see another race? AC, I think it was on your coast. Was it Davalos? Who else screwed up the timing section with lights and thought they... Don't even... Are you for real? Don't pretend not to know that it was me that screwed it up every lap. <laughs> you... And again, you... you uh, what race was that? You guys, Atlanta? Was that... Atlanta, bro. Yeah, you guys. You guys in your lights. You gotta, you gotta know what's going on, well, bro. It's, it's an amateur thing, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. an amateur thing. I mean, two rookies, pretty much. You know, two right. Supercross rookies screwed it up, so... What is the difference? Explain to me. people what the difference is, amateur to pro and the rules. Uh, well, the, the amateur rule is that you... You can you have to roll on yellow flag or most places anyway. You have to roll, and then supercrosses you just use caution. So you know there was Webb's ride, Kevin. Let's let's talk. Let's uh, let me ask you this. There was no doubt that that Las Vegas ride was Webb's best r- race of the season for him, his rookie year in Supercross. But why? What was it? Was it like a sort of like Sealy right. Anderson nerves title thing like i don't web's not would web wouldn't be good on hard pack dirt i don't think uh i've talked to gary bailey quite a bit in the last few weeks this is his riding coach and, and mentor you know nine years worth for cooper and i talked to gary and he said coming into houston that he felt like they'd made some changes and they've been showing him some stuff on videotape about cornering and his positioning and he had a bunch of new stuff that he was feeling really good about as far as cooper's performance and it didn't really translate and to, to the results. So I wonder if this, now a few weeks later, isn't finally where Cooper's really getting it, where he's really starting to understand. I was watching him closely to see if he was able to turn down in corners early and make early moves through some of those bolt turns, and it seems like he's able to, to run a few more variety of lines, and that's part of what Gary was relating to me, is that they were trying to get him to get up on the bike and be able to turn the bike and, and really raise his level of technical turning compared to everybody else that's there. I mean, it's one thing to just rail the outsides in, in amateurs, but it's another thing to be able to pick the track apart in an entirely different way depending upon who's in front of you, what the track condition happens to be at this level. And I think Cooper finally showed that. And really, were it not for the two lappers on the last lap, right at the beginning where Cooper had to split them, essentially, off the dragon back, who knows? He might have been even closer to Wilson as it was. He was right on the rear wheel as they crossed the finish line. Um, let's, let's move on to the 250 East man a little bit. Um, well, let's just forget that <laughs> all together. Actually, no, uh, Get a first time winner. There. Yeah, let's forget great it. job for Jeremy Martin. <laughs> um, great job for Jeremy Martin to, to turn around. What, what did we, you got a tweet from a uh, New Jersey's finest, uh, former pro motocrosser now turned off roader, Joel Dangler. Yes. What did he, I don't remember it. Oh, now. he said, long uh, night for Martin's win. He said, this is like whipped cream on a shit, sh- shit sandwich. Yes. Regarding Martin's season. Yeah, shit Sunday. Shit Sunday. Yes. Um, yep. I guess it, it, AC, it does save his season, getting a first career win. Yes, nobody cares. Yes, Bogle was bad. But it, it's still something. It still saves a season for him. Yeah, I agree. And I think even, you know, people are going to say whatever, or people were hurt, whatever. I think no matter who was in the class, if he had, if he got his confidence back, I feel like he would have been on the podium no matter what. Like, you know, obviously people are going to say, oh, he won, or, you know, some people anyway are going to say he won because, you know, so-and-so wasn't there. But I think all he needed was the confidence back, and I think even even you saw in the East-West shootout when Bogle had nothing to lose. You know, if you were to go back three races ago, would have Jeremy Martin have passed Justin Bogle? I would have bet a hundred grand on it not happening. And then, 
you see the confidence. He gets the confidence from the main, and then he passes Bogle in the East-West shootout when Bogle has nothing to lose. So I think it's all about when Jeremy Martin got his confidence back, and he got it back, and he's like, just in time for outdoors. It's like how Stella got her groove back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. He got his groove back. And, you know, that's, um, that's, that's the way he knows how to ride. Weed, you talked to Bogle after the race. I did not. Uh-huh. Uh, he said it wasn't a good night for him. He just distractions or whatever, you know, like. No, no, it wasn't that. Uh, it, oh. It's weird. What it, did he say then? I thought he said he didn't have a good night. No, he said he didn't have a good night, but he did not say it was because of distractions on the oh. title. Like, he was genuinely mad okay. that he rode as bad as he did. Yeah. And he said actually when the shootout was over, he went back to the truck and was pissed off and just sat there mad that he got beat yep. in the 250 final yep. and then the pretty, pretty much crashed out of the shootout. Yep. And it wasn't like he was even leading in the shootout when that happened. He yep. was mad. It really just shows you the racer mentality of, we have all this speculation on the outside. For example, when the news came out that Davalos was hurt, we're all wondering, oh, Bogo's going to be freaking out. What's running through his mind right now? Right. And I think everyone around him was. His dad told me he didn't sleep for days. The father didn't sleep for the, days, yeah, not Justin. Right, right. I think Bogle somehow was truly, truly able to trick himself into thinking, nothing is automatic. I don't have this title wrapped up. This race in Vegas, even though I do have the title wrapped up, I'm not going to believe that I do. I still have to win it and approach it like any other race. I should approach the shootout like any other race. He had convinced himself of all that, and he was not at all happy, oh, I've wrapped up the title. There were two races that he didn't win that he thought he could win. He was mad. I don't think it was the title. Just He didn't blame the title distractions. Maybe that was the issue, but he didn't say that that was the issue. Yeah, yeah. He just said that he had a bad night well, and, and happy. And then you immediately, you immediately after Supercross, you immediately look to outdoors. You look to the next thing yeah. that's coming up. And I I mean, I don't know if Jeremy Martin, he thought he could, um, you know, if he thought he could beat Vogel in outdoors anyway or not. But it's one of those things where you all you have to do is give some guy a little bit of confidence, mm-hmm. and then he just believes he can go around you. You know, he's yeah. going to try harder when he sees you in front of him. And then I think it's the same. I think that's why he was, saying you want to do good in the East-West shootout, you know, because that, that sets the tone, really, yeah. for, you for think the it, rest of the year. So you do think that matters, Adam? You're, I do. Yeah. I absolutely do. I think even, I mean, not to go back to amateur days, but, you know, back then, if I were to, let's say I, you know, I won races on 65, so let's say I won them by 30 seconds, uh-huh. and then I go to the next race and I win the race by you know, 15, that guy that just won by 15, I just won by 15 instead of 30, that guy was better in the next race because he thought he was getting closer. So why shouldn't he get closer again? They tried harder, and I think, and even with me, even after, after uh, you know, after Dallas, I felt like I rode better because I knew I could win. Why, why couldn't I win again and again, and why couldn't I win the championship? It just takes that tiny bit of confidence, just a little bit of hope, and you know, you can you can basically give a whole new career to to a rider. I think there's always this this thing where the riders have to keep themselves, and and there's always this conflict between everyone on the outside, fans, media, and the folks on the inside. You really have to almost play dumb sometimes. I when Ricky Carmichael was I in play the, dumb all the time. Well, you don't play it. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, Carmichael toward the end of his career, I remember seeing him in nationals. His mom on the sideline, literally biting her fingernails, freaking out over what was going to happen in a race. Yeah. And he's gone. He's blowing by dudes. <laughs> and he's, been, he's made millions of dollars. He's won more races than anyone already. His legacy is secure. But they had to trick themselves into believing that every moment is important because it really is. Yeah. And it was easy for everyone on the outside to be like, who cares? Who cares? He's made money. He's got it. 
they know it really does matter. So that's that's yeah. the mentality Bogle has to have. I was surprised. I wonder, oh, go ahead, Kevin. I wonder how different it would have been for Justin Bogle of a few years ago as a rookie if he'd been put in that same situation versus now where he went through an entire year of injury. Of course, the crash in December right before this season. And he sort of realizes that he's almost on bonus time during this season, but that anything can happen. So that takes away the, the edge of, oh, yeah, this is all set. This is all set. I'm up with whatever the point margin baby may be with three races to go. I feel like I got it. Maybe all that experience, I would think, takes away that feeling and reapplies the urgency to work and to just measure it and stay in your rhythm and stay in your routine through the end. Hmm. Yeah. Having said that, I was surprised that Jeremy pulled away from Bogle so much in the main. He really dominated. Oh, good. When he was, no, come on, man. Are you for real? What? Once, once Jeremy passed. Uh, Justin, he Justin tried for like a lap and a half. I mean, not taken away from Jerry Martin. He won it. No, third, but I mean, he but, when he was trying, but Justin started like looking over at the crowd and throwing big old whips and stuff. Why? Because he has the championship one, bro. I don't know. Well, I, I, thought I thought every race mattered. I thought every race mattered. It had to be. You can't let the guy get ahead of you. You got to make well, a statement. After, well, yes, but after he had already passed him, he realized, man, this is going to be really hard, and I don't want to throw it away for outdoors, so I'd rather give him confidence than maybe hurt myself. I mean, that's what right. I would have been thinking. Right. Um, how about the Bish with a third? Ends the season with a, with his best finish of the year. Good job for Matt Bichelia. I think a lot of people are going to, again, throw in the, oh, but all these guys were hurt and the field was weak or whatever. But you have to look at Bashalia. Dude, most of the races this year, he was, like, upside down in the first turn. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was having yeah. the worst luck ever. Yeah. Uh, worst, Agreed. Yeah. I, I, even as bad as it was going for Jeremy Martin not making mains, Martin was just not riding good and not making it. Bashalia was having, like, the stupidest. I'm surprised at one point someone didn't, like, throw a paper airplane down from the stands and it, like, hit him right in the bridge of the nose. <laughs> Anything that could have gone wrong. So to get third and yeah. have a clean race, yeah. no matter who was there, Look, good for him. When, when you're Matt Bashalia, you're one of the three factory guys in the, uh, in the class, you got to make sure you're at least the third factory guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. You've got to make sure, otherwise, because you can't let Kyle Cunningham, Jimmy Dakotas, and these guys beat you, Matt Lemoyne. By the way, Lemoyne had some shit luck, too. Crashes, a lot of crashes. He had a real chance I'm to just, capitalize this I'm year. I'm just happy I got fourth in points, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tied with Kyle Cunningham. Yes, yes. Do I, you? I, I, that that is my payback for Red Bud 2013. <laughs> Did Kyle uh, Cunningham? I beat you. He was going after Bashalia. Were you counting points? Did you know that? Oh, I, no, I was counting. I was counting. I was looking at the points in the booth. I'm like. <laughs> You better go, Michelle. You better go. Johnny Louch, his fitness better be good. <laughs> um, also, too, uh, the best thing about the the best thing about the shootout was Bogle's gold rims. Other than that, I didn't like it. What? I don't think it looked good. Gold rims I on did. a Honda? No, that's that's. How about Bogle calling himself safe after the crash? <laughs> D- look, that's H- the second time he did that. He did that at St. Louis in practice too. Yeah, Hill trademark. Hill rode well to win the shootout, and good job by him and all that. But again, Weege, this new format, nobody cares. It sucks for Hill and anyone else who's won that in the past. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Uh, to, like we were discussing this here, our, our uh, online poll, and you might want to go spike the numbers today, AC. We're posting a poll on okay. RaceX right now saying, straight up, who is the best rider in 250 Supercross this year? We didn't want to say best season. Is, is, Adam, obviously, is Adam in it? Yeah. Why is well, good thing. It? Well, good thing I have an I, I have an iPhone, I have an iPad, and I have a Mac, so I can vote on all my devices every day. Absolutely. Spike that 
ballot box. Why no. would you even put Adam in there? He didn't finish the season. No, it, that's why we did not ask best season. Best season, obviously, is going to be one of the champs. Yeah. But best rider, who rode the best? Did you put Cooper? We picked, I believe, top six in points. So it, it, we, Cooper? In each. I vote for Cooper. Well, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. So mm-hmm. do I. All right. Dude, he was a rookie, and he almost won a race. Who, very Cooper? impressive. Yeah, yeah, no. Very impressive. Rookie, yeah, rookie supercars. Year. On a stacked coast, too. On the deep coast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where I was going now. Oh, the okay. Yeah. The poll. I, I'm sure Anderson's probably going to wind up winning. Uh, he won the title in what was considered the more stacked coast, whatever. Yeah, but, I would vote for yeah. Anderson. Right, most are going to vote for Anderson. However, Hill could make a logical argument saying, I won the one race where everyone was together, but nobody cares. No, no one remembers. It's, it's so bad. sad what has happened to the shootout. When there was a truck there and, the only, you know, and they, it was the only race of the night, it was a big deal. Right. But, if the, if yep. the if there was if this was the NBA and there was a most improved rider award, mm-hmm. it would be Hill. I would I would yeah think yeah oh yeah Hill goes into next season. Kevin Hill goes into next season as a title favorite, as a you know this guy can win the title type deal. Absolutely, and coming into this year, I don't know anybody who felt that way after his first season. To quote Steve. Eh. Yeah, just, I mean, just, that was kind of the feeling. It, it was okay. He, he had some good right. laps, but he didn't really put anything together. This year, the kid was downright good. Uh, and uh, also, too, by the way, Webb told me after the race, I was broing down with Webb. Good guy. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. Good guy, huh, Weech? Yeah. He's really good, especially yeah. like good with guy. the media for how young he is. Yep. He does a lot of interviews. He does. He could be good on this well, show. He's well-spoken. I could see he's him well going spoken. on a podcast. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'll hang up. Uh, Webb and Martin just both re-signed with Star Yamaha, by the way, for multiple years. Webb told me that Yamaha really stepped up. So those guys are there. They're Yamaha's future. So, uh, you know, certainly one guy almost won the main event. One guy did win his first main event. They're going into the outdoors, which they both raced last year. So things are coming along for the start. And they're both – and I believe they're both had better outdoor riders too. So they'll probably be really good. Uh, what this a- is what happens when you stick with riders star racing. Yeah. That's how yeah. you do it. Yeah. You no. stick with them. Darren Durham, see ya. Will Hahn, see ya. You know. Davalos, Davalos, multiple see times. Ya. Yeah, like, see ya. just, you know. Gutier Perlin, see ya. Who? Pauline was even on that Yeah, team. but yeah. it was never going to stay. But anyways, uh, so the shootout, getting back to the shootout. Yeah, it, it's lost its luster. I mean, do, okay, do we, do we not even do it? Do we not even do you it? You have to do it. You do it? You have to do it. Okay. To have a golden opportunity. Yeah, you, yeah, have to, you have to combine both those. That's yeah. Because you have to. All right. But I believe the title should be wrapped up. It should just be the East West shootout like it used to be. Okay, yeah. You like that you remember when? Well, you remember when Dungey and RV were going at it. That was the last time I remember that it – or I guess in the – I guess the last time it mattered was all the – not to be biased, but when PC went one, two, three, four, that was pretty gnarly. Like yeah, everybody yeah. kind of wanted it. Yep. That there was, was a truck on the line, though, I think. I think it was uh, a little more bragging rights, because I remember, uh, I think Weimer won that race, correct? Yeah, uh, and did. And I think people thought that, because Purcell had done so well, like an outdoors the previous year against everyone, everyone thought, ah, Purcell's the best guy. And I think Weimer was seriously determined to show, like, no, I can beat all these guys. I won the West title. I'm legit. I don't think that that same level of motivation is on the gate for the race nowadays. Uh, and that's the yeah. and that's the confidence thing again. And Weimer, I mean, not to go back to 2010 and analyze that, but he could have come into the 2010 season, and you know he could have been slower than Purcell, even if he won the first race. But by the end, he thought he was going to beat Purcell, so he did. Yep, that's how it works. What about 
What about Mookie's crash in the shootout? That was dirty. Yeah, how did yeah. that happen? What well, did he do? What did he do, AC? Neutral, neutral. He hit neutral, man. Had bailed be. off. Yeah. He bailed off like perfect timing, though. Yeah, yeah. And I, I told Ralph and Jeff, thank God that was the, thank God that was the, the sand pit. Or, yeah, you know, uh, not really right. sand, but it was softer than the concrete. Enough, yeah, enough that it's going to help out. Um, because he was flying off that thing. Him and James were doing. Bar- Barsha too was launching that that wall thing. Yeah, I talked to. I I didn't talk to. I passed by Sonia Stewart, and she said, she said that he was uh, he was fine. So that's good. Yeah, no, we saw him out later that night. He was fine. We saw a lot of people yeah. out later. That <laughs> he night. was okay. How was the arcade? AC? everything good there? Were you holding? That no, time? I went to bed. I went to bed, man. I got stuff to do. You know, I have uh, yeah. post race podcast to do and <laughs> pre race thing. All, all yeah. kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, so I te- I think I texted you pretty late. You're probably sleeping. Um, I was. Uh, yeah, Zach Osborne, too. Bad luck for Zachy. Wacko Zacko. Uh, crashes in the first turn. Gets run over. Um, doesn't make it out. So, bad luck. I'm for- not going to lie. No, I'm not going to – not to step on any toes here. I like Zach. And, but I thought he was going to do better this year. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty bad. And it I, got worse. We did an MX preview show yesterday here. Yeah. I, I'm worried. I, I, Thanks I'm, for yeah. the invite. <laughs> we'll get to get you for everything. Uh, yeah, uh, I thought Zacho, Wacko Zacho would be better. I, I think he might be switching teams next year. I do. I, I think I got to – he might be out of there. I don't know. We'll see. It's a great team, Geico, but I don't know. So I don't know if they don't want him. He didn't he crash doesn't. in the first turn of the, the West final, and they just ate him up, man. Yeah. I mean, no, Celia and Anderson had to get around him. They did. And no, then how no, close no. was he even at no. the end? Not even close, right? No one's a bigger Zach Osborne fan I, than me. I know. I practically got them, him to ride the U.S. He the was. West. There is some hope, though. He was fastest in first practice. Yeah, he was. Yeah, no, for sure. Was he did? He took it. Yeah. Uh, see you, Moser. Moser is out. Um, yeah. So the I don't know, Kevin. The shootout's just kind of eh. It's just eh. yeah. I was wondering how do you fix it? I, I don't know how you make it different. If you just have go back to have it being by itself, or have something more on the line, some crazy truck, or get a bunch of sponsors, and I, I'm not sure what you do to to lend a little more excitement to it because I think it's a a really great race. I want to see everybody together. I want to see them racing hard against each other. So the question is maybe how you incentivize the riders to prioritize that race. I, I don't know. I don't know if the truck. Hundred grand. Hundred grand. There you go. <laughs> the so, rider thinks more money would yeah, be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. I'd go for it. Don't you guys feel like? Obviously, the Anderson and Sealy thing was pretty exciting, but that was over. Was it the first rain or second main? It was the first, was first the first main, main. Yeah. yeah, the first man, this race just sort of lacked maybe because I was hung over we, we had a you know big night on Friday night, but Weege, it was a little of a blah race I mean it it's just it's a weird situation because, as always, you always think more is more, yeah, not less is more, but we quickly find out whenever all the fans want twenty minute main events or twenty five lap main events, they want more racing, more action, let's bring the semis back, let's do more, but the few races that have more it doesn't really work. Yeah. Uh, at the last, say, 10 laps of the Daytona, where the fans going nuts on their feet saying, we're loving it. We're love. It's action is so good. What about the entire 450 main? The night dragged on, and you could sense that. Yeah, and that's where I think the semis have actually been a big success because the excitement is in the start, and everybody's packed together and what's going to happen. So I thought the reduction of the laps and the addition of the semis this year added more to the night program. I watched more. I got yeah. you get to come back and watch a gate drop again, rather than All right, so two extra laps on a on a uh, qualifying heat. 
So that's Kevin's view. That's that's Kevin's view. My view is that it makes the track suck. That's a rider's point of view. I like this. this they don't have analysis. enough time to work on the track, man. They need to get rid of those things. LCQ, get, two riders go. Get rid of the semis because it messes up the track. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's how much better Saturday. Indy would have been. I might have won Indy if had it been better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I... I the, the night was long, and if you put it down on paper, which they do, cause they put the schedule on paper, and they say, you're going to have two 250 main events and a shootout. That's awesome. It sounds great. But, man, when it actually happens, that night felt like it took forever. It really did. And I know people are listening to it right now saying, you guys are ridiculous. More racing is better. If you were in that building, if you are in those stands, and God help the poor people who were there all day watching practice from those bleachers, oh. getting belt sanded with wind. It was 95 <laughs> degrees. I, Anyone who was there was not asking for more. They were good yeah, to go. Those who were watching the race Villeman style on their couch with the AC at 73, they were pretty happy that the race was long. That was no problem for them. But if you were out there all day, it was rough. It, but you know what? Hey, oh, by the way, before we – I want to give props to Feld. Uh, I'm, I'm, also, I'm often on their ass for different stuff and this and that. But uh, I thought it was really cool, those giant posters. And, Adam, you had one. But, like – the giant posters of – they had Nick Way and Michael Lessi. I thought that was kind of cool. Good job by them to celebrate these guys that, you know, aren't – Adam's one of the big names, of course, so he's going to get a stupid poster. But, I mean, like they seem to spread the love to a lot of guys and teams. I like that. Good job on that in the pits there. Uh, I just thought that was good. I think they've tried did to find it. Yeah. Did you ever find an AC cardboard cutout to take home? I did not. Day? I did not. I forgot. There was. I should have took Marty's home. I really should have took Marty's home and put it in the studio here. <laughs> I hey, swear I that, thing, that that cardboard cutout of Marty probably would have walked its way out of your house. <laughs> you would have come up there the next day, and that thing, your door would have been open and twisted outside. Hey, it would have been. It would have been like the, no. It would have been like Chucky, the movie Ch- Child's Play. Yeah, yeah that Steve thing, wakes up in the middle of the night. It's got a it's got a knife above him. Right, that thing <laughs> yeah. would have would have hit, got hit by lightning. Been and if that happened, if I saw that in the news and that happened, I would have been like, yep, yeah. had it coming. <laughs> yeah, I had it coming. The cardboard cutout of Marty stabbed myself, <laughs> stabbed me in my bed. Uh, it's got a little thought bubble off the side that says, stealing money, and, and huh? Your, mm-hmm. And your Ridgeline tires are slashed. <laughs> <laughs> the same gun that he held up teams with to steal money from them would have been used against you. <laughs> All right, yep. okay. But no, uh, good, good match. Good Ballistics job. have come back. <laughs> good, good job by uh, by Feld for doing that. That was that was cool. And yeah, I saw Marty tooling around in his cart. Man, that sucks. You know, yeah, it's just not a bad bad deal for him. No doubt about it. Um, hey, uh, Barnett. Let's, yeah. Let's get to the bottom of this right now before we get into four fifties. You came on this very show. I think yes. it was this show, and I said, "Who has a better chance of going on Supercross Live with you and Jim Holly?" Myself or Jason Wygant? Now, obviously, Wygant wears a collar. He's well-spoken. He's more talented than I am any day of the week. He's really but, about the collared shirt. But he's, the, he's, the, voice, he's the voice of motocross. Yeah, and that, those people don't always mix real well. So you said I had the better shot. You, you said I had the better shot, and I loved it, and I rubbed it in Wygant's face, and I was ahead of him. And this weekend in Vegas. But Putin was ahead of both of us. Yeah, Putin and... and that was our likelihood. And Hitler were ahead of us. Yes, yes. But somehow this weekend you 
you got Wygant on the show, and, and screw you, bro. Oh, yeah. What, ha- what happened, Kevin, to this? Well, yeah, there, there was a depth chart, that's for sure. And, right. and Wygant was at the bottom of it. He was behind many notable historic figures that are considered villains. There's no doubt. Wow. Uh, but but like, like Richard Sherman, where after the game he, he has some sort of planned thing to do. I, I planned this just to get to you, Steve. I, I thought we got to get Wygant on just because we have to knock Steve back uh, a level. Steve really feels like he's on the cusp of coming on. And uh, if we get Wygant on, it would just be it would be gold. And and thank you for paying off because of the texts and the tweets and and everything else with the angry, mad, burning up faces. Uh, that made me laugh all day. That that made my afternoon. It multiple got, middle fingers. It got yeah, multiple. It got <laughs> bad enough, Kevin, that the uh, and I forget I forget the name. The lady who produces the show. I forget her name. Uh, I met her, but Colleen. Colleen said, "I'm really sorry, Steve, about this. I don't know." <laughs> Like she thought I was really big. when I was giving you the double bird to your face. Yeah, she she thought that was serious, and I I, you know. I don't know how she could have thought that. Yeah, I don't know either. But uh, do you think your producer saw the four of us doing that pre race podcast? Oh, the five of us with JT doing that pre race podcast, and thought, "Wow, this is how a radio show is supposed to be done." Yeah, do you exactly. think she took notes? Right, right, right. On that on that train wreck of a show. But why can't you were reunited with Jim Holly? But now I know, really, you only have yourself to blame. The only reason I got on that show was Barnett would rather have seen you mad about not being on right. than just be on it. It's, it had nothing to do with me. It was really all about getting you that's mad. Some, that's some bullshit that I was, I'm not allowed on that show, and I was not on that show. Adam, can you believe that? Wygat makes it on, and before, you know, he's, he's the voice of motocross. He's not the voice of Supercross. You know, Steve, Steve, I didn't want to point this out on the pre-race podcast, but everybody who was sitting around that table, myself included, had been on Supercross Live. You were the only one at the table who had not been on. JT was an early adopter. He was on early yeah. in the season, wasn't he? Yeah, JT was on. Weege was on. AC was on to, uh, in New York. Oh, yeah. Everyone's a part of that show. So I, I, now have, I have a new mission for 2015. No, I'm, I'm, I'm running with the fact that I'm too wild and unpredictable to harness for a radio show. That's what I'm going to do. Hey, run. have I ever – didn't I just say on Friday that the way you come across is a little bit gnarly? You think they want that out there for the public? You they think you think they want you representing Supercross? Steve? Excellent point. No, that's what I mean. I'm crazy. I'm wild. I'm unpredictable. I'm a loose cannon. No, he means sloppy, bro. Oh, okay. He means sloppy. <laughs> oh, I was thinking sloppy. like Howard yes, Stern. Very but... sloppy. Exactly. <laughs> Ridiculous. Not Howard Rid- Stern. Pookie does not love you that much. Ridiculous. <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't. You're right. My dad asked. My dad sends me an email. He's like, "How in the heck did you get back on that show? Because it had been it had been a four year ban for me. I'm, right. oh, I was nearing Donald Sterling level." Of lifetime ban, <laughs> and I explained. I'm like, well, it's actually Kevin Barnett. We've been talking about it for a while. We've got him on some podcasts. We, we wanted to do it, and my dad made an obvious point. He's like, wait, Jim Holly had nothing to do with it at all. <laughs> Didn't it wasn't Holly the guy you worked with for eight years? And I'm like, yeah, actually, of all people, Holly is not involved in any of this. Holly's just along for the ride, man. Not involved in any. Did Holly even know I was going to be on? Uh, yeah, I told him to the week before that we had it worked out. <laughs> Holly is a politician. In all ways. There is, he'll talk a good game, but he does not rock the boat in any way, he shape, or form. He is the mayor of Supercross Town. That Bingo. Is, that is his title. Yep. That's yep. what his business card says. Mayor of Supercross Town. He'd be pumped. Matt, this year on the show, he'd be pumped. He doesn't care. Holly's down with everybody. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, hey, thanks, everybody, right. for, for listening to this. BTOsports.com, RacerX preview, uh, Las Vegas preview presented by Fox Racing. We thank everybody for listening. Fox Racing, official gear, Ryan Dungey. 
and uh, many others, Kenny Roxon, many more, uh, foxhead.com, and, of course, btosports.com. Use the code PULPMX to save yourself money at btosports.com. Anything you need. If you need some Fox gear, go to btosports.com. Uh, they'll have it. And uh, so we thank everybody for listening to this show. Stay tuned to this race tech commercial here uh, on the show and uh, save yourself some money. You get some suspension work done, too, because I know a lot of you listening to this need some suspension work. And we'll be right back. BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension, and they've been around a long time, and their their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech is the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thie, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome back to the show. BTOsports.com, RacerX.com, RacerX Online, Fox Racing, podcast. Let's go to 450s real quick. Um, AC, now, our Ryan Villapoto, he had won, yeah. he had won three races. Not that long ago. James Stewart had five wins. RV had three. But he still had a big lead in the title. But look at how fast James is. Look how good he is. Oh, God. He's going to win. You know, he could win outright. He could do this. Uh, Ryan Villapoto's backdooring it into this title. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, four wins in a row. 80 laps led. Boom. <laughs> Drop the mic. Yeah, it always seems to be... Even me, you know, obviously Ryan and I, we're, you know, we're good, we're, we're good friends. And, you know, even when Stuart wins, sometimes I'm like, man, you know, he just looks, you know, unbeatable. But then it's like every time I think somebody else is going to win, it, it, I swear it screws my fantasy league every time. <laughs> Ryan wins and Ryan destroys everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's some, some killer instinct. I don't know if it's the red hair or, uh, you know, I, I have no idea, but something, maybe it's his meanness. I do not know. It comes out at the end of the season, and it seems like it's every time starting from that uh, that crucial 2011 uh, Salt Lake City Essex where he had to win, and uh, it yeah. seems like it's been downhill for the competition ever since. Uh, he uh, AC is now officially the smartest rider ever in my book. <laughs> that was brilliant. Sweet. That, that's yeah, a big that's it. title. Dude, you win. You no, win. Now that Timmy's retired. AC is the smartest rider ever in my book. <laughs> that Salt Lake City 2011 race, yeah. I feel like I'm the only one that's ever referenced that. That was the re- that was Game 7 of Supercross. It was. Yeah. All four guys it had was. a shot at the title that night. Who won? Yeah. Bill RB. Yeah. Yeah. It was the clutchest of clutch. And now it's just clutchest one of, of – It was the clutchest of clutch performances. Now it's just one race and four straight years of dominance. But absolutely, 
as my as my buddy Megawatt would have said at the old Honda dealership in Morgantown, that race proved his testicles. That's who would say it. And the balls were out. Everything was on the line. Yeah, balls were on the handlebars. Balls were on the handlebars. He yeah. made it happen. And, yeah, you're right. Ever since then, it's like you can get the guy against the ropes, but you cannot knock him down. It will not happen. He, look, four, four in a row, 80 I, laps, 80 laps led, four in a row. Uh, check this, everybody, that says that, you know, maybe I'm not that good or maybe I'm not, you know, I'm just using consistency to win this yeah. title. Yep. Check this out. Boom. Uh, Kevin, it was, a, it, was, uh, it was quite an end of the season to our, for RV. Yeah, the only thing I wrote on my notes for the end of the night was Ryan Villapoto is fast and the number 80. I mean, that's it. <laughs> and if, if we don't see him the rest of this year, we don't see him in a couple of years or, or whatever, at the end of his career, whenever that may be, this four-race stretch is something that ought to be remembered because he could have backed it in. He could have put it in reverse and the backup beeping and everything. Look out. He just went out and crushed everybody. And it wasn't just that he won. It was the way that he did it. He gets the whole shot and just leaves. Nobody even touches him for four races straight. Uh, it's utterly ridiculous considering the competition and the depth of field that we spent all year building up and talking about and being excited about, about Barsha and Tomac and James and Dungey and all the possible permutations and what we saw early in the year and throw Kennard into that list. And we thought, wow, this is going to be an amazing year. And here Ryan Villapoto destroys the field for the last four races. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it wasn't even close. And Jay, there was a race in there, Seattle. Stewart gave it everything he had. He tried and tried and tried. It's easy to say, well, Stewart was beating him for a few weeks in a row. Stewart had some bad luck, wasn't in the hunt. But in those four races, there was one, Seattle, where we saw Stewart yeah. doing everything he could to catch him and wasn't gaining. So he's leaving no doubt now. And look, Stewart dropped with his DNF. With a, I think it was a front fork problem. Anybody find out? Anybody yeah, at was. the bottom of it? Yep. Now I hear a little bit of spring fork, air fork reliability controversy oh, yeah? going in outdoors. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Look, Stewart dropped from second to fourth in the points with his last two races. I'm sure he cares. I think it matters. What? I think he cares. No. I do. Why? Adam? No, that's not true. If a guy, if you take, uh, I'm just going to throw this out here because I know I'm not going to step on any toes and I'm positive he's not listening. If you were to take Heath Voss and he would have got second in the championship, and then you would take James Stewart, and he got second, it's going to mean a crap ton to Heath Boss, but Stewart knows he can win, and he's won twice before. Why would it matter if he got second? I think it, I think it does. Why does it matter, Steve? That's the point, I guarantee you. Why does it matter, Steve? It's just... It's Do you think just, Stewart needs to beat Dungey in does. No, Steve thinks it does, Jason. I just think these guys, you know, there's egos involved here and things. and Ego? You really think Stewart left Vegas saying, well, I guess Dungey and Roxon are better than me? No. The, the points prove it. No. Dungey's a better rider than I no, am. No, but I think, I think he would have liked to have been second in the points. That's, that's, I don't think his ego well, over, over Dungey for second is going to be affected we, by we points. We have James Stewart on the Pulp Mech show tonight. Let's ask him. When did this get signed? What? When did you? Yeah, he's on the show tonight. When did this happen? While you were on the phone this morning. Why don't you alert me to this? Oh. I thought it was an integral part of the show. I'm at your house. No, you are. You're on it. You didn't even tell me who the guests are. You don't need to you know. Were drinking, you were drinking with Moser when it, Moser when it yeah. happened. Yeah, Antonap. Antonap's on. The seven deuce deuce. Look, uh, uh, yeah, but anyways, a real crappy end of the season for, for Stewie with a couple DNFs at the end. Uh, and RV obviously putting his stamp on everything. Um, what else do we have to talk about for that 450 main? I mean, really. Josh Grant had a good race for the first time in a while. Uh, he rode pretty well out there. Uh, Andrew Short, 
I was very nervous. Andrew Short had only finished outside the top ten one time this year, and he was he had fallen early in the race. He was fifteenth, fourteenth, but then Michael Lessie's chain came off. Uh, Weston Pike broke a rear wheel, and boom, Shorty gets his top ten. So <laughs> Thank was, God. They're so you know uh, these are things that I watch out there, AC. Um, and yeah. I, well, we were wondering. Well, we weren't wondering. We were sort of laughing in the press box that Michael Lessie's. It looks like his chain came off. And he was fighting that thing in the finish line to get it on. And we're like, Mike, who cares? It's last race of the year. You're in the track. Get out of the way. Be get, safe. Right. People yeah. are rolling by him and roosting him. And yeah. Uh, Weege, but Weege. But then we realized, much to the point of, of Heath Voss that AC just made. Yeah. Alessi was actually in a battle to get 10th in the series. There are some riders that couldn't care less. I guarantee you Mike cares. Trying to get that top ten, he was thinking if I can wrestle this chain on and get two more points and two more spots, it can make all the difference. I guarantee you, he and, was panicking over the top ten in points, and he got it. He beat Will Will Hahn because it, did he get the chain back on? I don't even remember. No, eventually they did drag it off. They did drag it off. Yeah. Okay. Well, even with Mike's DNF, he ended up uh, with with four points because he outlasted the other guys at DNF, and he passed Will Hahn by one point. Michael Lessie, you are. Are ten. you positive? Yeah, I'm looking at the point standings. I don't know. Maybe refresh the page. No. Wait. What? What? No, I got him right here. No, I, I, I thought Will Hahn got tenth. My bad. No, Alessi one twenty three. Will Hahn one twenty two. Weston Pike one twenty. Weston had a rear wheel blow up on him early in the main event. So there was a battle going on. And Alessi hey, did you know care. What I, you know what I think they should do to make it to make it better for the the guys that have to go on the track first after they water Vegas. What? Everybody that participates in that first heat race should get an automatic ticket to the main event. And they should only take, like, three out of the second heat. <laughs> I don't know about that plan, AC. I really don't know. Uh, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't know. They should, they should send, like, the Suzuki quad, quad class out like they did in the 80s before they have to go out there. <laughs> you're ridiculous with knowing stuff. Now you're just showing off. Um, knowing this yeah. stuff, knowing this stuff. They're, Are you challenging Wygant to some sort of trivia contest? That's that not fair. No, it's a, it's a tryout. It's a tryout. I want to commentate with Wygant. Ping. <laughs> he threw down. AC threw down rules, though. He's only commentating outdoors if he can do all four hours. Yeah. None of this <laughs> yeah, in and out yeah, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to be in it for the long haul. Ping said you were making fun of him for some race where he was jumping the whoops, and you were negative six years old when this race happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it. No, I was actually four. So I know my stuff, man. I, you know, you can these things. I have a VCR back home that I watch tapes on on a sixteen-inch screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Buddy Martinez, our own Buddy Martinez, yeah. by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was a. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't the most exciting four fifty main event. No, it was not. No. It, at one point, we just were like, "Come on, Dunge." Catch. No. No, I, no, no, that's not, that's not right. That's not we what I was We were saying. hoping that would happen. No, I, Steve was very bored, and I kept saying, you think Dunge is going to get him? <laughs> and Matt's like, no, no, nothing's happening. He's not going to get him. Stop. Nothing is happening. This was like on lap three. Yeah, every three laps, I'd be like, dude, you think Dunge is going to get him? I was like, no, stop there it. There just wasn't much. At one point, at one point, I thought to myself, wow, this is, I mean, this is, this is bad right here. This is not good for Supercross. Like, this is the finale of Vegas. This is yeah. not good. And then I took I instead of I was actually more exciting for me to watch the crowd because I saw 
I, I was able to pick out the diehard fans from the guys that just are here to party afterwards. Mm-hmm. And all the guys that were there to party afterwards were funneling to the exit, dude. It, the, the exits were not wide enough. <laughs> it was. Uh, did you guys notice the flagmen sitting in the stands on those single jumps with the long flag? Did you guys see that? Yeah, no, I thought down that's in the only corner. You. That was on the, the press box side of the, the stadium. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like an eight-foot-long yellow, yellow flag, flag stick. And, yeah. and then he would just wave it, and the yellow flag would roll around and wrap itself up <laughs> onto the long stick, and then it would never get waved. He was waving a stick. 45-mile-hour winds all day. <laughs> what about – we had a great time in the press box watching Dig Dug, uh, the, the failed worker that had a helmet on and a shovel. He looked exactly like the mid-'80s character Dig Dug. Uh, arcade games. Yes, arcade games. Yeah. And he would run up and, and he would run up and down his rhythm lane, helping out riders, moving tough blocks, putting tough blocks back into place, doing all that. And I queued up the music from the, the video game Dig Dug and I would play it when he was running and we were having a good time. I was wondering that when Bogle crashed in the shootout and there were tough blocks and riders down and yellow yeah. flags and dust flying everywhere. That was like a crisis moment for him. <laughs> Do you think it ran through his mind that 500 feet away there were guys in the press box playing 1980s arcade music and laughing? Do you think that crossed his mind at all? I think so. Uh, As he was trying to avoid getting landed on yeah. and everything else. He's like in the trenches of World War II, and we're laughing at him. Maybe, maybe this is the basis hey, that, for a new that guy deserves some serious credit. Game. Yeah, how hard does that guy work, AC? Well, no, I'm serious. Just because he's in between two lanes where two things can really, I mean, it can go wrong really easy. Those wolves. And that rhythm lane coming out of that corner to try to table table over that thing. We saw Bogle go off the track. What you know? If, yeah. if somebody were to go off the track earlier, he would have been creamed, dude. And then the whoops. I mean, that's obvious. You know. We thought so it was funny that they make like him wear a, a helmet. Raise. They make him wear a helmet because that's the only. As long as your head's good, like he's going to get speared in the chest so easily. But just make him wear a helmet and a t-shirt. I don't do the job. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Dig Dug was my favorite moment of the night. Everything. Adam, you thought that was funny. Come on, stop it. I did. That was, that was funny, but it's still a little bit sad that you <laughs> that, that was the best time that you had well, that night. what about Ping? He found that by far funnier than anybody. He was, <laughs> actually, what does that say about yeah. David Bingry? Ping's um, on the pulp next train, that's for sure. Uh, what else? Uh, Nick Way couldn't race. His knee injury was bad. Uh, he was hoping he was going to get a shot. He was going to try to race. He uh, he could have had a chance. If he had raced, he told me he had a chance to make nine points up to get Chad Reed and make some more money in the series-ending bonus money, but he couldn't do it. He he uh, tried to first practice and then just jacked himself up. So he didn't race. Uh, of course, Adam Entenap was out with an injury. Um, what about Barsha's gear? Oh, my God. Well, we can't say anything because uh, AC, yeah, AC and Alpine Star, he'll just tell us that yeah, we're they, idiots. they right. pretty much own him. They, send, they ship him yeah, Ferraris. Yeah, because we all know I'm biased. Me calling <laughs> Coach Healy for the, for, the, uh, yeah. for the win when both my teammates win one and two. I'm biased. Well, I'm biased. You know what? sucks. I'm biased. I... Well, you didn't sign that fly deal yet, Adam? You didn't, JT didn't get the numbers signed up for you? No, not yet. <laughs> JT was like, whatever you need to sign right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll hey, sign you on Barsha, a napkin. That's a quote. With Barsha in that gear, he bookended the season pretty nicely, didn't he? I mean, he had the stars at A1, mm-hmm. and now he had, like, the glittery poker chips or whatever that was supposed to be at Vegas. I don't know what's going on with that company. They had some such good-looking gear for so many years, and they've just completely – Their designers were amazing. 
I don't know. You throw in the, like the parrot barsha with the multicolors, the splatters at one point, and also the peppermint barsha that we had somewhere else, and it was an incredible year for Barsha's gear. Yeah, it was not. Yeah, it was just so great on so many levels. I, I don't know what Barsha. Uh, what about the boots? What about the boots, Weege? What was going on with the boots? They're alpine Different stars. Different color boots. There was you had to run neon orange or green or both in the case of Kennard. But if you were wearing alpine stars, you were wearing neon. Yeah. Was that a Vegas thing? I didn't mind that. Now, we're bagging on ASAR for Barsha's gear, but I didn't mind that. Really? They did it last year in Vegas, too. I just thought it was strange. I like the colors. RV boots look cool. What about the canard one of each? The neon and white, the touch on them, they look red. One of each? Are we cool with that? One of each? Well, canard canard had a green and an orange. Canard had one of each, yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that he had one of each. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Have at it. (laughs) <laughs> I thought I was going insane because I was watching Kennard and I'm like, wait, no, he has red boots. No, wait, I thought he just had green. What? And then I realized, depending on what side you were watching, <laughs> the boots changed. Um, what about Cody Gilmore? Good job by him. Not breaking for the first oh, turn. Lawn dart into the wall. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but then he came back and he made the main. Good job for Cody. I guess when you've beaten cancer, lawn darting into a wall. Vegas can't stop you. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Chisholm got his best finish of the year. Good job for Kyle. Uh, good dude. Ex-brand goggle athlete, uh, got his best finish of the year. I that was the first double Rock River guys main event of the year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Because Chisholm yeah. LeMay yeah. basically been one guy. Yeah. The one dead body, one's injured. <laughs> right. We march the other one in, the other one gets hurt. We bring the other one in. <laughs> right. <laughs> Finally, they both make the main uh, together. And Vince Freeze got the points needed to get third in the East Coast Series. Good job by Vince. You said that was a lot to Vince. It, was, it, it meant a lot. No, yeah. no, no, I think he got a little nervous. He didn't ride as well as he did in New York. No. And I think he was a little nervous trying to get those points to make sure he had them. What do you mean nervous? He needed one point. No, but, dude, he was just – I just think he was just uh, – little... You're just searching for something now. You're just searching for something. No, I talked to it's him. He's an ex, He's an ex-brand athlete. He didn't want to crash, dude. He didn't want to crash out or whatever, you know. He Cunningham – listen, he still had heat from Cunningham, bro. He, he – uh, let's see here. Hold on one second. Let me pull this up. Uh, Vince – only beat Cunningham by four points. Adam, you didn't tie Cunningham. I didn't. I was told I was. No. Dang it, I take it back, Cunningham. I take it back. You finished fifth. You were 120. Cunningham 127. Freeze at 131. So Cunningham got seven points on Freeze and only finished seven points on him in Vegas, only finished four points back in the, in the points. So Freeze. Okay, so I was I was off. I was off. So Freeze had some stuff to to deal with, no doubt. But Jeremy Martin, like we said, uh, uh, went out the last two main events, got to a second and uh, and a first. So he made into he made it into the top ten in points. So that's that's good. I'm gonna throw out a little um, what uh, etiquette question, which is very hard to answer. There was a big argument last night. I'm not gonna name names, but you were arguing with JT last night, Mathis, about this. Um, Sometimes, we, we've seen situations this year where riders crash and they make mistakes and they lose points on their own. And we've also seen situations where there's a mechanical problem and something breaks and the riders lose points that way. In that situation, I'll, I'll, I'll first go to AC and then we can ask Kevin also. If you're a rider and you lose a bunch of points and you lose some bonus money because of a part breaking on your bike, are you allowed to get mad at the sponsor or the mechanic or the team? Or is it like, hey, you've also crashed. We don't get mad at you when that happens. Is you know, I, I thought about I thought yeah. about this mm-hmm. this exact thing mm-hmm. after uh, after Daytona when my bike um, quit on the last lap of the heat race. Yep. And the way I look at it is, okay, well, 
if you're if you're going to ask that from the from the sponsor from the manufacturer or whatever, they they are they are allowed to ask you when you when you throw away a race lead for 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 that money back for them. Ah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. You do not ask anybody for for money. Well, I don't know if they're asking for money, but they can get mad. Do they even have a right to get mad, no. or is it like, hey? No, they don't. I don't think so. I yeah. don't think so. It's racing. That's what happened. There's, you you can be mad, you can be mad at them, but you don't tell them you're mad at them. You don't go off on I them. think I think AC yeah. is changing my whole view of homeschool right now. <laughs> Just with, with what he's doing and wow. the pulp show and the free race show, I, I, homeschool might be all right. I might, yeah, I might but, pull my kids out of school immediately. Kevin, have you talked to Web? Have you talked to Web much? Because there's a there's a just a real that's good. a genuine that's a genuine guy yeah <laughs> yeah there's somebody who was but I, I I'm cool and I act smart but it's all an act right right hey. but anyways Kevin go on sorry <laughs> no I, I think it's a great point about the sponsor being able to ask for it back if you're a sponsor you know what you're getting into here and really the only reason you'd be upset if you're the athlete I think in this situation the only reason you're going to be upset if something breaks or something happens to your bike is if you already have an inkling that somebody's not really dedicated to their job. Right. If you feel like your guy is dedicated, the companies that sponsor you are dedicated and doing their best, it's just part of it. But if you have a guy who you think, oh, I don't know if he's really on top of it, I'm not sure what's happening, you know, I just met him over the weekend from a local Honda dealer, and I'm not sure how good he is. <laughs> uh, if that happens, then, then you could perhaps be upset that you're not getting the quality you deserve. But if it's somebody you believe in, you just go, hey, this is how it works. Look, there's hundreds of moving parts on an engine, on a motor. All these guys, on look, we, and we think that uh, Martin Davalos, word is Martin posted at a bike malfunction, is what made him crash, and it's terrible, and it sucks. I was a mechanic for a long time. There's so many moving parts. Nobody is out there going, eh, whatever. They're all working hard. Working These mechanics and teams put in 80 hours a week uh, to work on these bikes and make these spoiled little brat riders happy. Um it happens, like AC said. It happens in car racing and motorcycle racing. You can't. You need to look, and and you need to look in the mirror first, way before you start th- pointing any fingers at uh, your team for anything that happens. Yes, it sucks. Like Adam says, you can be mad at them in your mind, but don't ever say anything because everybody's trying hard. Everybody's. I feel bad hard. for the mechanics in this situation because if you're the athlete and you throw it away, you jack yourself up. That's your fault. The poor mechanic, he puts together the bike, says, all right, I, th- I think it's good, sends out his guy. His guy goes down, breaks an ankle, loses the championship in this case. If you're the mechanic, you can't help but feel that that's on you. Absolutely. And that it's your fault. And, and that's a terrible position to be in because you're not the one out there. You don't pay the price for the mistake necessarily. And he did everything he could do. It's not like he's going to send his rider out there without double-checking everything a hundred times. Yeah. I mean. No, exactly. No, that is a bummer situation. I've never, I, and I've never liked riders who get a get a DNF and throw their bike down on the ground and don't push it off. I hate that. That's uh, look. Do we? If you crash, do we? Do the does the teams just sit back and go, ah, eh, whatever, screw you, pick up your, you know, like, like you know, we don't do that. Like it's it's all we're all in this together. Like, if if your rider DNFs and he's walking off, you kick him down. You just throw your right. rider down to the ground as right. a mechanic. Right, right. Like how do you like that? How do you you know push push your bike back as much as you can, unless you're you know gonna. There have been out. times where a rider dropped his bike because the problem that had been happening a lot kept happening, and he was mad at the team, and he knew it was going to happen again, and it did happen again. That was justified. We've talked to Chad Reed about this. I I still didn't like it. 
But uh, he's saying, I knew it was going to be a problem, and it continued to be a problem. He's justified. I understand where Chad came from in that instance. I right. understand that. And when you talk about that, that's one of the examples you're giving. Mm-mm. I'm more talking Chad Reed, Red Bud. Chain, chain came off. That was never a problem at Yamaha. Oh, that wasn't that same issue? He no. had a different time where he dropped the bike? <laughs> there was another time where his carburetor oh. popped off. Oh, jeez. Weege, I have some advice for you. Anytime you get in an argument with Mathis, even if you know you're right, <laughs> you just let him go. You just let him go because you're never going to win. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. We're in Vegas. I'm going to raise that. What I've realized is if you argue him enough, he'll bring up enough dumb facts to prove himself right that even though he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't give up, people listening will realize his points were ridiculous. So I just let or, him put enough or, information yeah, out there. Enough. He keeps talking enough to where everybody realizes, oh, so he is wrong. You're saying I just yes. give myself I give enough, my, rope. enough rope. Yes, I give you enough rope to hang yourself. <laughs> I disagree. That's, that's how I get you in. I disagree. <laughs> oh, do you disagree further? further <laughs> he, point? he disagrees that I even do that. When I'm doing it. He disagrees that he does that. I disagree when I disagree about what I'm disagreeing about. Absolutely. You guys are assholes. I don't know, but listen, there, there's a rider out there that's not too happy with some something that happened in Vegas, and he's very upset that a part failed in his bike and this and that. And, and, and again, like, you got to eat that, man. You can't, you know, you got to look in the mirror first. And, uh, it, real- comes down to, it comes down to your confidence in that person or that company. If there's already a question then, yeah, you're going to be really upset. If there isn't, if you believe in the people you work with, yeah. then, no, you're just going to shrug it off. Yeah. That's it. Huh. Yeah, That's yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, you can't let everything go. If someone's an idiot and a slacker, right. they're an idiot and a slacker. Yeah, you're right. Yes, yep. agreed. I got, a, I got a question about the broader sport here as it deals with Anderson and, and his injury or not injury, as it was throughout the weekend, because <laughs> we all heard all the rumors, and then I get him at the press conference, I ask him before, I ask him during the press conference, and I'm fine, and I rode the next day and all these other things. And, I, and we've gone through this before now, on this podcast. I've heard you guys talk about it, about the issue of letting injury information out. And I think of Jordan in 97 in, like, game five of the NBA Finals. Here he is, sick as a dog. He comes out, you know, eyes glassy, just not feeling good, obviously. It's as though someone asked him, how are you feeling? He went, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm just fine, even though it's obviously not fine. But he comes out and performs incredibly in that and hits the winning shot, whatever. Scotty Pippen carries him off. It's a miraculous moment. Why in this sport isn't it treated that way? Where, yeah, Jason Anderson's coming in with broken ribs. He's still going to ride. He's got a punctured lung. His fitness is down, but he's still riding. Isn't this amazing? Rather than, I'm fine, and then the performance is whatever it is, and after the fact go, no, by the way, I was seriously injured. And um, it takes away some of the amazement, doesn't it? Well, let's get Adam's take on this, but I, I do have an interesting story about this. But go ahead, Adam. Yeah, I think it's, it comes down to the mental thing again. Automatically, if I were to be racing, I'm just going to use last year as an example because because I sucked. But if I if I were to be racing, let's say Zach Osborne, and I'm going to say out of the maybe there maybe there was ten motos I did last summer, and I'm going to say eight of them I got passed by Zach Osborne. If I were to know that before the moto Zach Osborne had the flu, I, once he passed me, I'd be like, "There's no way. There's no way I'm going to let this guy pass me." I think in motocross, that mental advantage of you thinking you can beat that guy is more than a team sport would be. Can you play the other side of it, though, that if if he knows you're sick and you still beat him, now you've got that over the guy? Like, look, man, I was only 80% of myself, and I still smoked you. Yeah, I mean, there is that side of it. I see what you're saying, but that still I think the mental mental side of it is, you know, because you – 
I don't know. I don't know. You have a good point there, Kevin. You definitely have a good point. I, I got into this with You me. see, Mathis, that's how an argument is done, okay? No. Take no, notes, no, bro. No, listen. I've no, I, I'll pose it this way. <laughs> AC, you're 20 minutes into a moto. It's my, hot. What about you're my tired. story? I'm getting there. What about my story? I'm upset that you booked Stewart on the show and you just decided I wouldn't even need to know. You don't. You need to know that I was booking Let James Stewart. Let him talk, damn it. AC, let's put it this way. 20 minutes into a moto, it's rough, it's hot. Everyone's a little bit tired in some way, shape, or form. Tightened up. Tightened up, right. I mean, there's – hey, it's like when you – the guys that run the marathon, they admit it takes some energy to do it. You you can be a man about it. Okay, 20 minutes in the moto, you're tired. Negative thoughts are starting to run through your mind. Oh, man, I'm tired. My legs hurt. My back hurts, whatever. Hey, when a guy is in front of you and you know he has an issue, does that give you a little bit of a positive thought? Like, wait, I know that guy's wrist hurts. Maybe I can get him. Does that happen? Yes, absolutely. And that's the whole issue. Thank you. That is why this happens, because it does help these dudes. And as long as that's the case, no one wants to admit an injury. That's why. Yes, and it helps me, and there's been 100,000 times, 100,000 times where I've hidden stuff. 100,000 of times. And coming into Dallas, I was sick as a dog. Sick as a dog. Didn't even know this until now. Yeah, just now. This is breaking news. (laughs) But I was good. I was good, because I thought I was good. And no one knew you were sick. I convinced myself I was good. As long as that's the case, this is not going to change. Thank you. All right, yeah. Matt, this is your no, story. No, you have guys that are riding around the track that would otherwise stay behind somebody unless they think there's an advantage. Well, that, that rider ought to be working harder all the time. Thank Shouldn't you. Shouldn't they go forward no matter what? Thank you. Thank you. Everybody's giving 100% as hard as they can to do as well as they can. Come on. At that level, sometimes it's a 1% difference. I mean, you don't. Kevin, you were in the darn Olympics. Yeah, Aren't you know. searching for every edge that you can possibly get? Like vo- when you're down a couple no. points, are you thinking Weech. like, wait, we- aren't it's- you searching for every edge? We just just volleyball. Oh, you know, if somebody's point. right hand hurts, I will try and hit your right hand. It's no problem. I, I'm with that mentality. I definitely agree. But I don't think the fact that that guy's right hand hurts makes me try harder. Not try I'm harder. I'm try just as hard as I can, period, and, and try and damage your right hand in the meantime. There is never a point in a game where you were down – you were your you and your team were losing, and you were like starting to maybe doubt if you're going to be able to pull it off. And a little edge like that wouldn't allow you to be a little bit more positive in your thoughts. And not no, even not even the, not even the injury. You just have to sense weakness. That's it. Yeah, sensing weakness for sure. That that's the case. I I, I sense weakness in a match, and you're like, all right, we're still down, but we got these guys. We own ah, this right now. Thank you. I mean, for instance, in, in no, under no circumstances where it mattered to qualify for an Olympics or to qualify for a world event, has Canada ever defeated the United States in men's volleyball international competition? Nice. Them time and again, including in Winnipeg on their home soil, and just because <laughs> we own Canada when it matters. <laughs> Kevin, I'm really close to hanging up on you. <laughs> with, with all of this Supercross Live stuff and what you just threw in there, Oh, that's it's great. He needs to be on every week. It's 100% true. You can look it up. <laughs> we own you in volleyball. Thank you, Kevin, a true American hero. Brayton doesn't want anybody to know that he has a knee injury, but he hasn't. he's dealing with a knee injury right now, and he's going to be behind the eight ball a little bit into uh, coming into the outdoors, and he's looking for a new contract. And I had him on a pulp show, and he talked about his hand, and he talked about his foot. Was it foot? Yep. And I said, dude, why don't you talk? tell people you're injured? I mean – like, we, it's not a huge deal, but it's going to get better, but it's going to keep you off the bike. And he's like, I don't know, man. I don't want people to really know. And I'm like, so you'd rather, when you need a contract, just have everybody going, wow, Brighton sucks. Instead of us going, 
Justin Brayton, dealing with a bit of knee injury, is not 100%, but hold on, folks. Give him some time, and he's going to be okay. And he's like, yeah, I see your point. So I have another theory. I have another theory. Excellent. If, okay, so you, you have the way of thinking of, you know, I don't want people to see I'm injured because they sense weakness. I have that theory. That's my first theory. The other 50%, I believe, look at those guys that do that and just they don't, they don't really know why they're not telling anybody, but they're just not telling anybody just because nobody else does. <laughs> so there's like, not even I a thought behind it. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. It's just the thing to I do. I truly believe that there's people out there that really, like, if they really sit down and think about it, they're like, oh, I, I don't really know why I'm not telling everybody. Right. But those guys aren't, so I shouldn't. Right. There's no, yeah. No, there's, there's, no there's no, I ran into this so many times on teams. Uh, I'm working on a, I'm building a, if I work, if I build my bike for 16 hours and Mathis builds it for 12 and both riders don't have a problem with the bike and both bikes make it through, but I spent six more hours building my bike, I'm a better mechanic. There is a work harder, not smarter mentality throughout the industry For sure. that baffles me. That For I'm sure. like, but wait a minute. Getting your work done in an efficient manner and not talking on your phone and not doing this and that and getting your work done and going home and seeing your family is a good thing, right? No, 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 no. Absolutely. Just spend more time working and yeah. you're a better mechanic and then talk shit on the guy that leaves. That's out there. And it's never, it's never... No, that's that's a part of the sport for sure. That's that's why we all work seven days a week. Yes, I agree. And then and then you have the fact that you can go and you can go get your motos done at the test track, and you can be out of there by noon. Or the, and then there's a guy that can do the same amount of laps but stay there till three o'clock or when the sun yeah. goes down. And then that guy's a badass, and right. you're just a slacker. Yeah, exactly. It's just a weird mentality in our, in our world. I don't get it. And it's from, is it in the volleyball world like that, Kevin? Or are you going to talk more shit on Canada and Winnipeg? <laughs> I think yeah, I think it's a human mentality. I think there's a lot of that plays out in companies all over the place. That's not a moto thing. That's a human thing that people try and present it that way. Mm. Uh, the funny thing about moto, it, it's always reminded me of triathlon, to take it to another Olympic context. And the, the favorite triathlon training motto or T-shirt that, I, that I've seen and heard from these guys is, somewhere somebody is doing more than you. And and I think that, that pervades moto, and guys just feel like they got to spend more and more and more hours and yeah, you need to figure out, but you also have to have the confidence to be able to execute working better, not longer. Well, hold on. i got to check some riders' uh, Instagram and Twitter for uh, uh, hashtag grinding it, hashtag wanting it, hashtag doing work. Hold on. Let me. Well, let me if just, you just want it more, hashtag, you hashtag That's what I want from on the grind. The hashtag on the grind. On the grind's a new one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's all about wanting it more. I know a key to the race is just want it. I, I think that's one key I've heard out yes, there, on the Yes, if you go to Austin Stroop's Twitter profile, he definitely wants it. More than anybody. <laughs> um, Industry screwed him, I'm hey, sure. Hey, uh, AC, really shame about Blake Baggett and his eye there preventing him from racing the last few supercrosses. Real. Yes, I, I agree completely. Real shame. Yeah. He, he, it is a shame. Yeah. It is, but we did tie. We did tie at point. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I have more race wins, so I do get fifth. And. I don't even know. I don't know if I get money for that from Feld or not, but I'm happy about it. Fifth place, man. Top five. Rookie season. Oh, but, Web, but Webb was good, too, Weege. He got fourth overall, I think. Yeah. Oh, go. really? Yeah. Oh, all right. So the At, next year, season. Next year, because Webb got we, – we didn't get to race each other, but he got, he got a higher up standing than me. I'm going to try, like I did this year, according to 
people, you know, like according to Vitards, I'm going to try to predict which coast he's going to ride, and I'm going to try to go to the other one. Exactly. You guys exactly. <laughs> hey, by the way, your national number is going to struggle this year. I love the 46, I, half of 92. That was really cool. But Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. It, I'm going to be in the 50s, I think, if I don't race at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, if you don't make any at the end of the year. so um, I want to be 55, though. I like that number, so maybe it works out. Okay, yeah, you can be Sank Sank, the Sank Sank. Double nickel. Um, all right, uh, the Racer X online podcast for Las Vegas wrap-up uh, by btosports.com, presented by Fox Racing. Anything else, anybody? Kevin Barnett, Adam Cincerillo, Jason Wygant, anybody else? I'm Nick? all out of Canada sucks stories. Uh, Kevin, it's been an hour. I'm hungry. Kevin, you might want to just say farewell to everybody because you'll <laughs> never be on one of these ever again. So you might just want to tell everybody, you know. But seriously, Kevin, what, lasted. what do you do this summer? What, what's on your docket? International volleyball is coming up. If anyone's in the Long Beach area, first week of June wants to come see a match, let me know. We'll, or Chicago, the second two weekends. I'll we'll, get you in. Will Karach Karali be there? Uh, yes. <laughs> he coaches the women, so we might have to hunt him down in okay. Omaha, Nebraska or something. You know that. We each that I've heard the name. Yeah, big volleyball guy in the 80s. Is it Karach Karali, though? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Karach Karai. For, yeah. If anybody wants to watch the movie Side Out and think of Kevin Barnett, go ahead. It's from the 80s. <laughs> Courtney Thornsmith. Or, or no, Top just, Gun. Just, if you're interested in volleyball, just Top watch Gun. Top Gun. That Top scene pretty much encapsulates the sport. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Especially uh, Mother Goose at the end. AC, are you going to be at Glen Helen? Uh, I'm not sure. It depends on weeds, man. Oh, it's TV. All, all resting on weeds' shoulders. <laughs> oh, God. I don't think... I don't think Glenn Helen's going to be the spot for it. We're breaking in a bunch of new people this year. I don't think they're going to throw in a, a, an extra wild card, but I'm going to work on it. Whatever, man. Whatever, yeah. man. I'm out. I'm out. First uh, of all, Glenn Helen, nothing. Oh, first of all, AC, uh, to give you the kind of example of power that Wygat has with these TV people, <laughs> all he's ever been asked is what your T-shirt size is as far as the show itself. Yeah, so summer. far this year. Right. I, I don't know what the pay is or a contract or anything, but they did ask what my T-shirt size is. That's so that's all, my only sign I know I'm even doing them. Yeah, they're not exactly growing down with Wygant saying, hey, what do you think of this change or what do you want to do about this? <laughs> I, I, got an email during, I got an email during the night show on Saturday night that my expenses from Utah last year, I finally got my money back. Right, it's, exactly. It was like seven months ago. Utah, what a great national. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we no, go. no, I'm being dead serious. I'm being dead serious. <laughs> I got third in the moto. <laughs> Awesome. What did, Web, what did Webb do there? I don't even remember. You need to come back just to race Utah, like you were saying. Yeah. You need to come back yeah. just for yeah. Utah. Yeah, and I won't even do the – oh, no, that is the last one. Gosh dang, I was about to say, if it was the second to the last one, I would race Utah and then not show up the next weekend, yeah. and people will be wondering why. Race Utah, <laughs> drop the mic. That's it. Yep, drop the mic. Mic drop. Gone. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you for coming on. Adam, thank you as always. Appreciate it. All right. Yeah, thank guys. you, Steve. Thank you. All right. See you, guys. See ya. Well, again, thank you uh, for coming on this podcast, wrap-up podcast. Oh, it's not done. Uh, Very confused. Now it is. All right, bye. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart, 
There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over five hundred more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the-